warm welcome to Experts Connect on TeachSomebody.com and I'm your host, Kadian Davis Owusu. Today, we're privileged to have the renowned financial strategist and modern woman advocate, Ms. Renee Cohen, and our conversation will be about improving financial wellness. Hi, Renee, how are you doing? I am doing well. I am so excited to be here. And we are excited to have you, Renee. And Renee, can you please tell us a bit about your background? Sure. So I am here living in Los Angeles. I'm originally from New York. Um, and I have been an advocate financial strategist for the last seven years. Uh, but by way of starting my career in this, I was I started my career in the media, sports media business specifically. Um, and throughout my 10 year career in media, I have, you know, I reached that mid-management level and you've definitely had some successes, but as I was progressing um, and hit that 10 year mark, I really started to take a step back and, and it also aligned with when I was, you know, in my young thirties had just turned maybe 31 at the time, mm -hmm. um, had just really looked at what, where my career path was going and how was that aligning with what I wanted, uh, wanted for my life and really looked at how I was really underpaid and undervalued. And so the more that I took a deeper dive into my own financial situation and really feeling discouraged and, um, and somewhat despair, uh, really made, you know, the thing that I could control was how to be smart with my money, how to show up as the visionary of my life, regardless of how much money I was making, there was no, there was no one that I can, you know, really point to other than myself to say that I have to be smart with my money, no matter where I was. So as I really kind of looked at it for myself, I started to have really pointed conversations with my girlfriends to see how are you showing up in your money life? And the more that I kind of dug into that, the more passionate I became around helping other women um, and really other people to become financially literate and educated and to have that control in their financial world. Great. Thanks for sharing. And Renee, so you are an advocate for modern women by helping us to achieve a healthy money mindset and to up-level our game through economic empowerment. That's quite impressive. Can you please tell us what inspired you to primarily work with women to empower us to take charge of our financial well-being? Well, I think generally speaking is obviously being a woman myself, I see that, you know, there was a lot of limiting beliefs that really held me back in um you know, in my, in, in having the financial power in my world early on. And I think first and foremost, I think we sometimes all associate financial power with how much money we're making when it really is, how are we setting the right foundation for ourselves uh, to really grow our wealth and to, to be financially smart and um, to put things in the right places so we can make smart decisions um, and I think a lot when we don't do that, it's because of the limiting beliefs that we have. And we all come to a relationship with money with some baggage, some good, some bad. And so what I found, what I found in really talking organically 
as I started to have this awareness again in my young 30s uh, with some of my girlfriends in the same place as I was in, was that we just always figured that um, someone would either help us take care of money or it just felt like no one, no, there was no guidance mm -hmm. in the fact that we can't just call if I, I didn't have all this money to invest. Um, I didn't think I was good with money. I wasn't good with numbers and all these limiting beliefs that kind of show up in our world. So I think, especially for women, no matter where you are living in this world, you know, whether we're here in America or, or, or countries or other countries, sometimes it's a generational thing that you're not going to be the breadwinner in your family and that someone's going to come and be your savior. But the reality is, is that you have to be your own, uh, you know, your own savior and really, again, be the visionary of your life. And I think that for women, as we are changing and reshaping how we show up in the world and really helping to close that investment gap, the gender gap, the salary gap, and all these things, we have to, we have to really overcome those limiting beliefs. And I find that a lot of women delay their financial planning in their life because of these limiting beliefs and because they also feel like there's some sort of, and we're living in this world because of social media. Um, I know there's a lot of pros and cons with social media, but a lot of the, you know, some of the negativity around social media is that we're comparing ourselves. I hear it all the time is that women always are like, well, I feel like my friends all have it together and I don't. And therefore they, they're, it, it, it just adds to another layer of shame and judgment. And the more that that kind of builds up, the less inclined that we're willing to seek the advice and guidance because the further you're along in that shame and uh, that shame is you're, you, you think you're even you know worse off than the next person. So I think it's really important to, um, really be an advocate for for women and to understand yes there's a number side to our to our financial life but how do we make sure that from um the emotional and the mental uh capacity is that we're really addressing that and, and that for me is really the psychology around that to be the advocate the support and the partner for women so that's really why i want to make sure that i'm helping women and to and to help them realize wherever you are in your financial journey it is okay let's start from somewhere and you don't nothing has to be perfect you don't have to wait for the perfect time and i think that um certainly in our financial lives but really across all facets of our life we you know perfectionism is it, it really it, it tears at women is that we always are trying to be perfect and trying to achieve that perfectionism or that level that we think that is per that is perfect it holds us back in so many other areas of our life so um and especially now in these days everything intersects with each other so you can't be perfect in one area and then wait around oh let me get be perfect here and then i'll figure out my finances or you can't be you know perfect here and then try to it's all it's all a beautiful mess right and you don't have to be perfect and, and just really show up where you are in this moment and have that awareness and take that step forward otherwise you won't progress forward Exactly. So it's really about having that balance where finances are concerned. Well, a balance in all aspects of our lives. It is. I mean, I think that it's really hard. We're not living in a place where your financial life, your spiritual, your mental, your physical lives are all in these silos. And you're like, I can be perfect in my, you know, my physical life or my spiritual life, but I'm not perfect in my you know, my financial life, and you're not perfect across any of those. All you can do is really have that awareness and say 
that I want to grow from here. And I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people are always trying to achieve, you know, perfectionism, but when you're living a growth based mindset in life, you're constantly learning and you can and you want to be pushing yourself. You want to say, okay, this is where I'm here today. And how do I just, how do I incrementally take another step so I can learn a little bit more, be a little bit better but the the journey doesn't end when you're living a growth based uh, you know lifestyle so that you have to take that with your finances as well and a lot with the financial side and i think it's in all areas of your life especially you know i always equate it to the physical aspect too is that you know i wake up every morning i'm a big i work out in the morning um i'm a big morning person and as much as i'm on that spin bike and i don't want to be there i'm like oh if i just you know this 45 minutes on the spike leads me i don't necessarily feel it in that moment i don't feel like i'm you know okay what am i doing but all those small things all those it takes you know it it helps down the road you look back in a month or two months from now or a year from now you're like oh look at my physical health and that's same thing in your financial life yeah beautiful thank you so as we're talking about balance, self-care is one of the biggest trends, especially, well, the biggest wellness trends, especially in 2020. While I wholeheartedly support this movement to prioritize health and well-being, I also believe that the effective money management should be incorporated in our self-care routine. What's your take on this, Renee? Oh, I think that again, you know, everything, every part of your life intersects with one another. So that, that self-care practice that, um, that you really need to implement as part of your life. And especially in a year like 2020, self-care has, uh, you know, taken a, taken a whole new level and making sure that we're definitely on the mental side, right. As, as across the world, as we're, you know, dealing with um, coronavirus and stay-at-home orders. I know here in Los Angeles, we're under a new stay-at-home order. Mental, mental, uh, mental health is so important. And so to really incorporate you know, those self-care practices, especially in a year like this year, but even as we move well, well past this virus, because there is a light at the end of the tunnel with this, self-care practices are something that is really important. And, and what that means to you is gonna be different to maybe than to someone else. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, again, uh, you can only think about things in a silo. So financial self-care practices is something that you should be incorporating as well. You should think about it as, as I'm working on my, again, you know, your physical, your mental, your spiritual lives is that you're also thinking on your financial, financial. And some of those self-care practices when it, when it comes to your money life is to be intent to have one, first and foremost, have the awareness that how you want to show up. How do you want to be the visionary of your life? And how do you want to be the CEO of your life? And I think a lot of times people always feel like it's deferred to other people. Like, oh, this is the only, this is the salary that I make, or this is the money that I make and that it's someone else's issue. But you really have to be the visionary and show up as the CEO and say, what can I control? And having that awareness and then also uh, you know, making sure that you are being intentional. How are you, how are you on a month to month basis being intentional with your dollars and, and, you know, what's coming in the door, what's going out the door. Because when as I talk with people and they don't, they want to keep their head in the sand around that, or they don't want to deal with that. Yeah. There's very little that I can do to really help them progress. If I don't know 
where we're starting from or what's coming in the door, what's going out the door or wanting to, again, not having to, not having it to be perfect, but not wanting to deal with that. So I think some of the self-care practices is to really, you know, understand without judgment, without shame, what's coming in the door, what's going out the door and really categorizing um, your spending on a month to month basis into three main categories. And that's your fixed expenses. That's your discretionary, your variable expenses, maybe more your lifestyle expenses and your savings. And when you are able to categorize it into those three, three areas, it helps you really think for more of an abundant mindset than a limiting mindset of budgeting. Yeah, great, thanks for sharing. And Renee, um, could you please explain if you think there's a link between financial wellness and physical health? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's all, again, tied in. And, um, you know, stress can really wreak havoc on your, on your physical, especially, obviously, your, your mental wellness, but also your physical wellness. I know that when I feel stressed, you know, it shows up in places physically for me when I'm under a lot of stress. And so that's where having self-care practices and how to manage stress is important. And a lot of people, especially in a, again, a year like 2020, when uh, things have been, have felt out of control because none of us, no matter where you are living in this world, that the, the virus has affected us and it came pretty unexpectedly. So you know, when, when money is wrapped around a public, especially a public health issue like this, and it doesn't feel like what's the unknown, even though there's vaccines on the way and you're losing jobs or your income has been impacted and how does this affect your family? And can I continue to afford, uh, you know, to protect my family and all these things, it shows up in your physical life. So most people are stressed about money, even regardless of, you know, the pandemic in a, most people, they, they are living paycheck to paycheck and they're stressed about how to getting from point A to point B, how to really actually move the needle forward. Nonetheless, even just think about their future that affects yeah. you physically by carrying around that stress and that mental drain only shows up in your physical life. So when you feel that it also, you know, and I know for myself is that when I feel that I don't feel good about myself. So I'm not as motivated to go work out in the morning or to eat as eat as well as I, you know, when I, when I am feeling better, it all is tied in. And so, um, again, you have to think about how do all, how does this all intersect? So I can really show up as my best self. Yeah. And based on what you've been saying, I'm getting that we need to definitely document our financial spending or just do, do some personal financial planning so that we can have more awareness and also plan for the future so that we can achieve this balance in terms of financial wellness. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, it's important. Um, and I think this is where a lot of people, they they could get stressed out because they're like, oh, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't want to either look at it. I don't want to know where I'm overspending or they, it can feel really daunting to go through bank statements and saying, okay, you know, how much money did I spend on coffee this week? Again, I like to recategorize that into looking at your monthly expenses into three main categories, your fixed expenses, 
your variable expenses, your fixed expenses are the things that you pay for every single month that has that fixed amount, whether that's the mortgage, whether that's the rent, car payments, car insurances, things if should it's the fan, you still have to pay for. Um, and granted in a year like this year, there may have been some, depending on where you live in the world, there have been uh, you know companies that have obviously been very sympathetic to what's going on. So you could get pauses or reprieves or extensions, but those, your fixed expenses are the things that you have to pay for every single, every single month. And then your discretionary are the things that your variable expenses, and that's for maybe your lifestyle, the dining out when we're able to dine out and maybe going to the fitness studios and the vacations and the travel and the activities for the kids and all of those things that uh, may be a little bit more variable. And this is really where people get derailed because it feels like, well, I need to be able to live, I want to be able to live my life today and not just be paying my fixed expenses and then just trying to save for my future. And then it's so hard for me because there's no perfect month. Again, about this perfectionism, our lives aren't living on a, on a piece of paper in black and white. So it's okay to have a lot of variances or, uh, you know, changes, but I always say, put those things in categories. Are they the dining out again? No, no judgment, no shame, being guilt-free is or is it the dining out, the vacations, the things that are those variable things, put yeah. those into different categories and see how have you been spending that? Because most people are going to be overspending in the, in these areas. And then they give themselves the excuse or it gives them the mental out to say that if I'm, if I'm either spending my fixed expenses and discretionary expenses, then I don't need to save. So I was then like to recategorize or put into the variable expenses. What are your non-negotiables and what are your negotiables? And so when you have those different categories, you can see how have you been spending? Again, zero judgment as just looking at it in a completely unbiased perspective and say, what within here is my non-negotiables and what are my negotiables? And so then it gives you the freedom to not necessarily nickel and dime every line item. It just creates a fun bucket. And I don't care if you spend however much in dining. You can spend your entire fun bucket money on dining out. Maybe it's, you know, on the travel, but one month, but so that, that gives you the flexibility of one month, not being equal to the next month yeah. versus, um, overspending and, you know, your fixed expenses and your discretionary and then saying, well, I can't save. So generally speaking, and this is going to change, you know, especially depending on where you're living, but general rule of thumb is 50 to 60% in your fixed expenses, 20% in your um, discretionary, your variable expenses, and 20% in savings. And if you're not saving 20%, again, just because you may be spending in certain areas in your fixed and discretionary does not give you the permission to say, I don't have to save. Mm. If you can't save 20%, and if you're not saving 20% right now, well, again, 1% is better than 0%, 2% is better than zero. So if you can work your way up to that 15 to 20%, great. That's what you should be striving for, but you should not give yourself the permission to not save because you're spending money in other places. Yeah, I really love it. Thank you. That's very enlightening and useful information that I definitely will practice. 
Yes, so you are renowned for your unique approach to financial wellness, and you've been sharing a bit with us. So again, could you please share with us a bit more in terms of the actionable steps that we need to take in order to practice financial wellness? Yeah, I think that I think my approach really does start with, you know, understanding the mindset behind it and um, really understanding what someone's background is and their relationship with money. Mm -hmm. And when you really have that awareness and understanding what those limiting beliefs are, you can then really start to take action because it's really hard in your financial life to say, okay, I think inherently we know we should save, like, yeah. but it's the actual implementation and it's the human behavior that doesn't, that doesn't allow us to do that. So it's again, that relationship that usually is disabling in our lives in some capacity, maybe it's because of our upbringing, maybe it's something that we've seen our guardians, our parents do, maybe they didn't have the best relationship. So then we kind of, adopted that type of relationship in our in our lives so it's really looking at that but then also again it really starts with the ground up is this framework that i always like to say is that it really is starting one the first one is the mindset the second one really is having clarity around your monthly expenses what's coming in the door what's going out the door and really looking at yourself as the ceo and the cfo of your life so this way someone else can kind of come in and help you maybe fine tune things but you really have to have that awareness and want to have that awareness and then two and then the third thing is really to have clarity around your goals so this way then you can categorize your goals into short-term mid-term and long-term understand Am I, am I being realistic around having a, you know, a midterm goal? Is this a five-year goal or is this something that maybe I'm on track to even do it sooner? Yeah. Maybe I have to push it out. So really having clarity around the time horizons around goals. And that doesn't mean that you have to have your entire life script written out to the T. It just means what, what is important to me and how do I categorize that? And then from there, it is how to, once I have those categories of goals, then putting the plan in place, what are the right strategies to help me achieve X, Y, and Z towards that? And making sure that you're implementing, getting the education and implementing and taking action, not just getting the, in, getting the information and then being paralyzed by not doing anything. What's one step? What's two steps that I can focus on to, to help me progress versus feeling I have to do everything at once? Great, thank you. And you developed three power money moves to help women to feel more confident and capable in their financial journey. That sounds really, really intriguing. And I would love to hear more about these power money management strategies. Yeah, I think it's important. You know, I always like to just, just kind of simplify things down into uh, different categories because I think within within that it helps to organize uh, you know organize your thoughts and the ability to kind of take action so with that there's three power money moves and obviously within each of these moves there's all different strategies relative to where you are in your life and what's in what is most important to you and certainly for those that are you know we're, we're I know this is a worldwide um, you know uh, audience is that maybe there's going to be different nuances in different parts of the parts of the world 
But the first and foremost thing is to really protect yourself. I think a lot of times we go into our financial life wanting to really play offense. And this is where I'll use a sports analogy is really playing offense and wanting to really be part of the fun and sexy side of growing money and accumulating money and but we don't really want to play defense. And so we really first and foremost have to play the defensive side. So, and be, and what that means is really mitigating any risk that we're unwilling to participate in that can financially derail us. And so that is making sure that you have enough an emergency fund to have enough cash on hand that you can address those short-term opportunities and emergencies. Certainly again, a 2020 highlighted the need to have, you know, complete liquidity and accessibility to cash. But those things, life insurance, making sure that you're protecting your family, God forbid there's a premature death. And as much as these these thoughts individually are sometimes hard for us to think about, and then certainly like having to have those conversations with our loved ones, the worst thing is that yes, there, you know, something happens and then we're not protecting our family and then we're leaving them so financially you know, exposed and vulnerable on top of having to deal with an, with an emotional, you know, emotional stressful time. So if you really, you know, especially as parents, it to me is the cost of being a parent is to have the right amount of life insurance. And then the other thing is making sure that your income is protected. And again, this may show up in different, in different uh, in a different way, depending on where you're living in the world, but it's making sure that you have income protection. And that is uh, here in the United States called disability insurance and making sure that if you're unable to work for a long period of time, that you have an income, you have an income source and that you're, you're directly replacing that and not relying on your employer coverage. If you get that here in the States, a lot of people will push back and they're like, well, I get it through my employer. And here, you know, our health coverage, a lot of these benefits are, are taken care of, quote unquote, taken care of or offered through our employers. And a lot of people here have a very false sense of security because of that. And if you lose your job, it goes away. So you always have to make sure that you are being in control of any sort of risk that you're unwilling to participate in. When it comes to the disability and the protection piece of your life, I always, you know, all three of those pieces, um, the, you know, the emergency fund, the life insurance, disability insurance. Now they may show up as a priority in different part, in different times of your life, but I am a believer that the earlier you get that, the sooner, you, you know, you're, you're cheaper and younger today than you are tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And even if you, even if you're single and you're like, well, no one's financially relying on me today, but you know, you do have, you know, you also want to be an advocate for your future self but all of those pieces I always like to equate it's like going it's like looking for a house and I walk into a house that is on slot you know wood slots and you know it's not a solid foundation I'm not going to feel really good about buying that house whereas the house with the concrete foundation definitely feels a lot more secure than just sitting on a solid you know on a on wood slots so why would you why if you wouldn't buy a home without the right foundation why would you why would you not build the right foundation in your financial life that's so useful thank you 
number one. And number two is then to save and to invest. Again, it's to make sure that you are saving and saving and investing are two different things. A lot of people will like, well, I'm saving, but then they're saving in cash. Cash does not do anything for you for the short term or for the long term. It is a great vehicle for the short term. So you want to make sure that you're then putting money into places that can have opportunity for growth and in investing, whether they're in retirement accounts or investment vehicles that are outside of retirement accounts, but making sure that you have, that you're putting your money, you're taking the amount of risk that you want to take relative to the time horizon for that goal, but making sure you're putting money to vehicles to actually invest. Because if you're just hoarding the cash in under your mattress, it's not going to help you for your future. So it is about the saving and the investing. And again, putting money into opportunities and vehicles that are strategically aligned for your goals. And then the, the third power move is to preserve everything that you're doing. And a lot of people don't think about that, but it's important to not only, of course, and like I just said, in the protection side is to have those pieces to protect your family life, but then preserve what you're doing. And that's really through what the right estate planning is, is to make sure that, you know, you have people in your life that can make decisions, whether they're health directives, if you go into the hospital and, you know, in a world like or that we're living in today, if you went on a ventilator because of coronavirus, who can make those medical decisions for you? A power of attorney, things, people that can help to, you know, move forward, make those decisions for you if you're in, if you're in, um, incapable of doing that. And if you have children, and property and uh, and family that you want to protect, making sure that you have trust and wills. And I don't know how all those pieces show up in all parts of the world, but you know, in some capacities to make sure that you have the right a right state plan in place. Oh, this is very helpful. Thank you. And Renee, let's not exclude our awesome men. What's your best advice to lead men to financial independence? Yeah, no, great question. And I think, um, obviously, I like to, to work with or help women, but that does not mean that um, men don't need the same guidance. And I think in doing this, as, as long as I've been doing this, I think the um, on the outside looking in, us women, we tend to think that men know this better than we do, or that they're smarter, that somehow they, they were taught these lessons in school and we just weren't. And that's really not the case. And I think a lot of men struggle with the same things that women do. I think it just shows up differently for us than it does for men. But the conversations that I have with men are really a lot similar. The, the, with women, it's just maybe from a mindset, how we have to approach the mindset a little bit differently. And I think when it comes to financial independence for men as well, it's really, it's, it really is, again, how do you want to be the visionary and CEO of your life? And how, how are you uh, having that awareness of what's coming in the door and it's going out the door? And then making sure that you're taking action on the saving and the investment side. So understanding what are your options that is relevant for your life and then also thinking about your future self. And I think sometimes people sometimes always think about like my future self means 20 years from now, but your future self's in a year from now, your future self's in six months from now. So really for, for men as well is sometimes they generally speaking are, are a little bit more open to taking risks than, 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 uh, than women. And when I say that it's really about women 
are being more risk aware than men are. Um, but financial independence really means understanding whether you're a man or a woman, understanding what are the what are your financial options and vehicles that you should be putting money, your money into that best serve you. Not your friend, not your family, but best serve you and your goals and your future. And then not having to feel the angst and the anxiety of doing everything at once. It's really creating that roadmap and saying, what do I want to focus my time and my energy, my resources towards? And then let me build from there. But it really is about the the financial literacy around what are those vehicles that best serve you. Great. You've given us very sound advice, Renee. How can people reach you? Yeah, awesome. Well, I am trying to step up my uh, my social media game so they can, uh, that is my Achilles heel in my life is the uh, social media. But um, so you can follow me on Instagram. It is my first name, R-E-N-E-E-L-O-R-I as my personal um Instagram where I'm also doing financial tips. And so if you send me a message there, I will, I will see that. They can also um, check out my website. They can also reach me via email, which is R-E-N-E-E dot C-O-H-E-N at N as in Nancy, M as in Mary dot com. Great. Thank you. So Renee, thanks for your willingness to share your knowledge the information you provided on how we can improve our financial well-being was extremely beneficial. To our audience, thanks for tuning in on Experts Connect. I'll see you next week where we will discuss exciting topics. If you like the information presented, please head on over to teachsomebody.com and give us an applause. If you have questions or you want to add your comments, please feel free to share them there. Please also follow us on YouTube, as well as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Have a great rest of the week. See you soon. Bye.